from American Falls to Milad, we've got the biggest stories in District 5 covered. This is the Southeast Idaho PrepCast with Jordan K. That's right. It's another edition of the Southeast Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down everything in District 5 in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey with Jordan K. from the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello. Jordan, what's going on? Not much. Getting ready for the uh, the our two championship games. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, one Thursday, yeah. one Friday, uh, late late nights for both of us, both those nights. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm uh, not a huge fan of whoever at the IHSA decided to schedule these things at, you know, practically midnight. But, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah, uh, the the games, the late games, Thursday and Friday kick off at 9 o'clock and I believe 8.30 respectively. So it's like... Man, that's that's tough, uh, tough sledding for. Well, you're used to being up late, you know. I'm yeah, kind of like, it doesn't really bother me a whole lot, but like, you know, if, if I could have the story done by like 9 p.m. instead of midnight, that would be kind of fun. But what's what's the cutoff for what makes print and what goes just on the web? Ten usually. Okay. So, luckily, we don't have a paper on Friday, so. Um, or Saturday paper. So, you know, the Highland kind of doesn't matter what time it gets over. There's no print deadline that night. So that, that helps a lot, but the West side one will be tough. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, so that Highland recap will go on the Sunday. Yes, correct. All right. That makes sense. So, uh, yeah. So uh, of course I, I, I never know what the, the schedule is for the hard copy of the paper. Cause I just read it online. I just yeah, go to idahostatejournal.com and read it there. So time it has no concept to me on the web, right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, before we get to breaking down what's going on football wise, we're in the final week of the football season. Uh, the cha- the championships are upon us. I uh, did, did want to make a quick note that this is going to be the last podcast we do that is strictly district five focused so as we get to the end of the fall sports season and we start to transition into the winter months uh you've got a lot on your plate i've got a lot on my plate you know i'm doing eight podcasts a week across the state of idaho it's nuts dude so (laughs) we we uh, we sat down my boss and i and we thought what's a way to to make things easier for me and so my family can see me more (laughs) because like i'm a stranger at this point um so one of the ideas we had was well districts five and six really play each other a lot. There's a lot of crossover between those two districts anyways. And in some classifications, they actually belong to the same conference, right? In the one A's and the five A's. Yeah. So we thought it would be natural to just merge the Southeast Idaho prep cast, which is our district five podcast with the East Idaho prep cast, which is our district six podcast. So you will still get that district five content. It'll just be mixed in with the district six stuff, which is fine because you're seeing those teams a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So what we're going to do is kind of split things up, right? Sometimes we'll have Jordan on. Sometimes we will have Lance on Lance Taylor is our, uh, co-host on the district six podcast and so you're still going to get that good content and and that entertainment it's just going to be it's not going to be every week that i'm on here with jordan and it's not going to be just district five anymore it's going to be districts five and six but you're still getting the same content sweet yeah so hopefully uh that makes sense to everybody and uh also another note i didn't talk about this prior to hopping on jordan but next week it's Thanksgiving. I'm taking the week off. <laughs> I'm not doing any podcasts because man, it's, it's a nice point for us. We've been doing this every week 
since August. If you think about it, how crazy. Yeah, I didn't never uh, broke it down that far. Yeah. So it's going to be nice to get a break and kind of reset for the, the holiday of Thanksgiving. And then we'll come back in two weeks and start talking about winter sports and things like that. Jordan, do you have uh, Thanksgiving plans? Do you get to go back home? No, I'm not going to go back home. I'm not sure exactly what we'll be doing yet, but something, something with Turkey and ham. That's all I know. Okay. You and the roommate going to cook something up or possible. Yeah. That's what we did last year. They gave out a free turkey if you spent a hundred dollars at Winco. I was like, heck yeah, dude, that's hard because like Winco's prices are pretty cheap, so you really got to buy a lot of stuff to get to. I, I buy for a month. <laughs> I go once a month. There you so go. Get yeah. all your supplies at Winco for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll take the week off. We'll come back in two weeks as the East Idaho Prepcast, talking about both districts five and six so for the final week here let's break down district five only let's start at the 4a level because uh, a couple of teams in your coverage area you know blackfoot technically is district six but you cover yeah. them in the paper they fell in a heartbreaking fashion pocatello also lost in heartbreaking fashion pocatello lost to skyline 36 to 31 blackfoot lost to sandpoint in overtime 29 to 28 uh and again this just kind of confirmed what we knew all year 4A is wild and unpredictable, and any yeah. team is capable of winning on any night. Yeah, because uh, I think it's just so unfortunate. Like Blackfoot, I think if you go back, I mean, this is like their third or fourth time of the year losing by one point. I mean, just kind of a brutal, heartbreaking way to lose uh, like that. And then Pocatello gets out to such a great start. You know, they pick off the first play of the game, get a field goal, then a touchdown on their next drive. They're up 11 nothing right out of the gate. It seemed like, oh, my gosh, like they're going to cruise into the state title game. This is going to be the, the quickest game of all time. And then, you know, credit to Skyline. They kind of found their footing a little bit. They started getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Uh, that wide receiver they've got, Kenny Sadiq, made some just fantastic catches, despite, you know, a lot of Pocatello, uh, you know, DBs being on him in pretty tight coverage. Uh, he found ways to – get catches whether it be you know jump balls in the end zone or whatever and so um yeah it was kind of a weird weird two games for the uh the 4a schools in our coverage area just um both of them for a little bit seemed like they were just going to kind of roll to the state title game at Holt Arena and then all of a sudden um kind of slipped there at the end yeah, that Skyline game, it was interesting in the first half. It, all it took really was one three and out from Pocatello to get the ball into Skyline's hands. And from there, Skyline really dictated the tempo of the game. Right that second quarter, they rattled off a couple of unanswered scores. Yeah. And from there, Pocatello kind of matched them score for score and just ran out of time at the end. Uh, it was crazy the first half, the time of possession. I mean, Skyline had to have dominated it. I counted up the plays at halftime. Skyline had run like 32 plays, and Pocatello had run like 15. Yeah. Because one one of them was that 80-yard touchdown bomb to Julian Bowie. Yep. And so I, I think that was the problem is Pocatello's offense was great. They just never got into that rhythm because yeah. they were either scoring too quickly or just didn't have the ball enough. And Skyline's offense, I mean, give them a ton of credit. There were so many times when Pocatello had them pinned in some really bad down and distances and would get them into these, you know, third and six, third and seven type situations or fourth and one, fourth and two. And Skyline just kept converting. 
They kept marching down the field. They kept not allowing Pocatello's offense to get the ball. And, you know, when you do that, Skyline was just able to get into a rhythm that Pocatello could never match. And so you get a couple scores like that on long drives, and then Pocatello gets a quick three and out. And it just felt like, you know, Pocatello never had the ball in that second quarter. And all of a sudden you look up at the halftime scoreboard and Skyline's leading. And it was just a kind of crazy how quickly things flipped in that game. And um, you knew coming out in the second half, um, the Thunder were kind of going to give their best shot. But when Skyline just keeps scoring on some of these crazy plays, Pocatello needed to do more than just match them. And they could never kind of get that, you know, big score, big turnover. Kenyon Sadiq made two ridiculous touchdown yeah. grabs. The first one was with Pocatello committing pass interference, and the guy basically draped over his shoulder. Yeah. As he's falling to his back, he makes the grab. The second one, you can't play better coverage. I think it was Crew Hales that was yeah. in coverage, right? Yeah. And it was in the back of the end zone, and Sadiq just extended up and caught it. And there's just nothing you can do about that. No, no. And I think they knew that. Um, they did have opportunities, though, in that you know third and fourth quarter to really um, – kind of flip the flip the momentum because I mean Pocatello gets the ball to start the third quarter and you know just couldn't couldn't get the score they needed you get a score there all of a sudden the momentum flips and they they couldn't do that and all season long we've seen Pocatello in these tough spots come up with big turnovers get an interception here a fumble there and that just did not come for them and credit to Skyline for kind of keeping it out of their hands but that's what Pocatello has done all season and what they weren't able to do on Saturday. And for Blackfoot, you know, they traveled up to Sandpoint, lost 29 to 28 in overtime when Sandpoint goes for two in the win. If I'm Coach Ackley, you know, I'm trying to outlaw the two-point conversion going into next yeah. season. They, they lost four games on two-point conversions this year. Was it four? Yeah, they they twice Blackfoot went for two and didn't oh, get yeah. it yeah. and ended up losing. And then twice their opponents went for two and got it. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got to be close to setting a record for most times losing by one point. Like they're, I bet their score differential is just fantastic for what a four or five loss team. Uh, yeah, just a, kind of a, a rough way to lose. But I give a ton of props to what Coach Ackley did with that Blackfoot program. I mean, he took over a couple years ago for you know a coaching legend. Really, kind of had to build that program back up, and has just kind of found a way to maximize the athletic talent that Blackfoot somehow has, like year after year. I mean, you got guys like Austin Ramirez at running back and. Javante King at wide receiver and they find ways to put the ball in their hands. Um, give a lot of credit to them. I don't think anyone really thought they were going to make the run they did. And it kind of sets them up for the future of, you know, doing something uh, really big. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about despite Blackfoot and Pocatello losing. I mean, both those programs are not really senior laden a ton. I mean, they are, they've got the guys that are, you know, the playmakers who are, in their final year, but they've got a ton of sophomores and juniors and guys who are going to come back next year. And so um, if Pocatello and Blackfoot make it back here next year, I don't think anyone would really be surprised. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, not large senior classes, but impactful, right? Sure. There isn't some impact sure. guys, but yeah, I definitely for Pocatello. I mean, you know, Hunter Killian at linebacker, Jackson Williams on in the trenches, Matt Christensen at, you know, DB and wide receiver and, a um, couple other guys, uh, Ryan Payne at quarterback. I mean, they do have to replace a lot, but you look around and, you know, I think Pocatello is starting like seven sophomores, a number of juniors like Crew Hales, who you're talking about. It's, it's, they're not going to have necessarily the lack of experience that a lot of, you know, teams can have, you know, after a big title or semifinal run like this.
Yeah. So I agree. Future bright for both of those programs. Yeah. Uh, the future uh, in 5A, at least for now, looks like it's going to be East Idaho. I don't think, uh, you know, the teams over in the Boise area really gave uh, uh, either Rigby or Highland much of a chance. No. And now as we look at the 5A bracket, we, we've got an all-east showdown. I mean, what a wild night of football, Jordan, Friday night. You had so, – so I was at the West Side game, which okay. kicked off at 6 o'clock. Yeah. So it, so it ended early. I got home in time to basically do a red zone type thing where, okay, I'm listening to Highland play yeah. Eagle and, and Ian Hershey wins on a walk-off field goal. Okay, well, then I switch over to Rigby and Meridian, and that's in triple overtime, and Rigby uh-huh. gets the win. And then I was able to switch over to Sandpoint and Blackfoot because they were an hour behind oh, yeah. us in the, in the Pacific time zone. And that game's in overtime. It was a wild night of football. Everybody that I've talked to said it's the best night of football in Idaho that they can remember. Yeah. Well, it was it was kind of crazy because I, I knew someone at the Meridian game. And so I was getting text updates on every score. And it was just like constant. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? The crazy thing, too, is it, it seemed like the Highland game, you know, was it's not like it was flying by yet i watched ian hershey's field goal you know closed my computer did all that went down to the field did interviews with like five people and then walked over to another guy who is there's like a group huddled around him and they're holding up a phone like it's 1940 listening on the radio to the uh the rigby game and you're just like what is happening right now they're like it's in double overtime it's in triple overtime and you know kind of doing the play-by-play for everyone and it's just like i don't remember the last time i don't think i've ever seen that in idaho i don't know if i've ever seen that um kind of a high school you know night like that where things are happening minute by minute second by second it was just so cool um to see you know kind of this this team celebrating their victory but then also like trying to get information on a game that's happening like 10 miles away. It was, it was a really cool experience. And I don't, I mean, I was already back up in the press box, like writing by the time I heard Rigby won. I mean, it it just seemed like a game that was never going to end. And I don't think the Highland coaches really cared, but they were, you know, trying to get information looking on Idaho sports and stuff like that. It was really cool. Yeah. I think my experience was similar to a lot of fans where, okay, we tuned into this Highland game. It got over. Oh, Rigby's still playing. Let me yeah. check it out. This Oh, Blackfoot's still playing. So it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a really wild night. So yeah, you were at the Highland game. Yeah. Uh, get, give us the breakdown. The Rams advance, uh, 29, 27, 28, 26. The score's escaping me. 29, 27, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, uh, Ian Hershey wins it on a field goal as time expires, but uh, give us the breakdown of that game. Yeah, so, um, you know, Highland kind of comes out. Their offense looks really good. I mean, they were running the ball super effectively with, you know, Eli Parrish and kind of mixing in uh, Jackson Riddle, who's this sophomore. And I just don't know if why, you know, we've talked about him or I have, how good he's been for them. Kind of because he, like, came on in the middle of the season. He was this sophomore who transferred from Utah and then – um I think he was like injured for a little bit playing on JV and then they had some injuries and called him up. And the dude was just lights out, had over a hundred yards rushing. Most of them came, you know, in the fourth quarter when Highland needed it the most. So credit to him. He's just a tough runner. Who's going to be kind of a focal point for their offense going forward. But yeah, it's Highland dominated the first half. And like it wasn't even close how much better Highland was. They controlled the clock. They controlled, you know, offensively they looked really good defensively kind of putting uh eagle quarterback jack benson in some tough situations making him roll out 
Only problem was Eagles got this kid, Ian Duarte, who's this like five foot eight, 130 pound receiver who runs like Usain Bolt up the field. And all of that happened is Eagle just kept targeting him on like weird little, you know, slants and like short five yard crossing routes. But because he's playing out of the slot, Highland's got to put like a linebacker or sometimes a safety on him. And it's these guys who aren't used to covering dudes as fast as Duarte. And so he'd catch these like five, six yard slants and then take them. He had one for 73 yards. And then he took a legitimately just a reverse. Actually, I don't even know if it was a reverse. It was like a, just a pitch. He took that 90 yards in the third quarter. Um, the dude was unreal. I think he had another one that went for 70 yards to set up a, a touchdown run late in the half. Um, that was the only problem for Highlands defense is they couldn't stop Ian Duarte. And it just seemed like, oh my gosh, is one dude like single-handedly going to beat Highland and give them credit. I mean, they started kind of doing different things defensively. Nick Sorrell does a really good job with Highlands defense and they, they kind of kept him in check a little bit in the second half. Um, but we'll go to the fourth quarter. I mean, Ian Hershey hits a 52 yard field goal. That was just like, holy cow. I mean, I think it gave, gave Highland the lead. And then, you know, with about three, three and a half minutes left, uh, I Eagle was, you know, right about the 30 or 40 yard line. And it looked like a Highland, you know, defensive end Sloan Lampson got a nice tackle for loss in the backfield. And then also I was already like typing it out. All of a sudden I hear the Eagle just section just go nuts. And Benson was in the end zone. And I, I didn't even see it until like someone tweeted the video, like, hours later I was like how in the heck did he score um and so that gives you know Highlands offense three minutes they had to start on like their own eight after a really good eagle um you know kind of kickoff and so it's you're looking at this Highland drive being like this is for the season can you know Gino and Jack Whitmer kind of orchestrate something and the thing that was so crazy to me is like they just did not care about the clock I mean, Highland had two or two timeouts to use, but they ran eight plays on that drive and all eight were run plays, which is not the exactly the thing you're going to do when you're down in a state playoff game and need to go, you know, 65 yards. They did not care about the clock. They did not really care about, you know, a big play. They're like, we're just going to keep getting eight yards. You know, they're playing, you know, a, a coverage that we can run the ball on. We're just going to run for eight or nine yards out the middle. 10 yards up the middle, 12 yards up the middle. And the whole thing is like, we just need to get to like the, the 25, 28 yard line, because we're fine if uh, we have a 40 yard field goal to win it. And like, <laughs> that's just the craziest thing ever for a high school game. Be like, yeah, we just need a 40 yard field goal to win it. And they trusted Ian Hershey, you know, they iced him a couple times. He fell on his butt. Uh, the Eagle section was, you know, ripping him and yelling at him. He gets up, starts, you know, egging them on to, you know, yell louder. And then he drills a 40 yarder that would have been good from about 65. And it was just kind of pandemonium. It was so cool to see, you know, just everything that Highland had to do to win that game and um, just kind of did it in such an unconventional way. But yeah, I mean, a ton of props to everyone over at, at Highland. I mean, it was, it was one of the cooler high school games I've been to. Yeah, this Highland team, you know, this is kind of cliched, but they really do seem like a team of destiny, right? They've they've pulled two games out of the fire, you know, on the road two weeks in a row. 
the revenge tour, you talked about it. Now they're going to get Rigby, yeah. uh, one of their uh, two losses in the regular season. They already knocked off Rocky Mountain, who handed them the other loss. This yeah. is, I mean, if we're writing a Hollywood script, I mean, this exactly. is pretty much. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't all good news for Highland last week. I'm sure you saw this on social media as I did. It was really, uh, really uh, heart-wrenching news to hear about Caleb DeMuzio, uh, former Highland running back, who uh, graduated last year. Uh, was off serving an LDS mission and, and was sent home. Uh, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer and is fighting that battle now too. Yeah. So this is a Highland team that, you know, they have, they had a freshman player that has uh, been in the hospital all season dealing, dealing with a medical condition as well. And so you just, you feel like, you know, it's, it's a family of players yeah. that have really bonded together and they're, they're kind of rallying together when it matters most. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really cool, family atmosphere they've got going and you're like you're saying the the Hollywood script of having to beat Rocky Mountain and then having to beat Eagle on a last second field goal and all the stuff you know the outside circumstances that they're playing for and things like that I mean it really does feel like kind of this this team of destiny thing yeah and and our thoughts are certainly with the Demuzio uh, family and you know so fun to watch Caleb play football really for three years this Highlands main running back yeah yeah such a stud so uh, hopefully he he recovers So, yeah, so Highland and Rigby, here's the rematch. Now, the first game wasn't, like, particularly close, right? Rigby kind of asserted themselves early and and pulled away. What happens in this rematch, Jordan? That's what I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen Rigby enough, but I, you know, just from watching last year's game and, you know, reading about the, the game they played, it's how do you keep Tiger Adolfo in check? And I think that was one of the things that Rigby was um, kind of able to do against Highland that first matchup is – they, you know, ran quick stuff that didn't allow Highlands, you know, great front seven to get to him. I mean, you saw that game. I mean, what are the keys in stopping Rigby's offense? I mean, the other thing, too, is Rigby's got probably the best offensive line in the country or in that. Sorry, the state, the state. Ooh, don't <laughs> they don't sell him short. They, they probably think they got the best line. Probably. The yeah. And so it's one of those things where if he's protected, um, that's not a dude I want with time. But, you know, what do you think is the, the keys of stopping that Rigby offense? See, now I do, I think the key is, is you do want to keep him in the pocket where Tiger Adolfo is really beating teams this year is when the play breaks down and he's able to take off and scramble. Um, if you keep him in the pocket, he's, he's committed to Weber state to, to go play quarterback in college. He throws every pass with so much zip on it. It's a, it's almost like he's ready for college now where the receiver's going (laughs) to catch those all the time. But in high school, these guys aren't always catching those rocket balls that he's firing. So I would take I would take my chances with with Adolfo keeping him in the pocket. Now the one thing that Highland has going for them that Rigby doesn't is Rigby's kind of banged up right now. They've, yeah. had, they've got a lot of injuries to a lot of guys. Adolfo, you know, he dove into the end zone in triple overtime for Rigby to win that game. And there was questions about, you know, did he get banged up on that on that play? The backup quarterback is also their best wide receiver, Taylor Freeman. He's out. He got suplexed by a capital player where he literally was picked up and driven into the ground two weeks ago. He's not available. They've had some defensive guys that are are back, but not a hundred percent, but they're out there, you know, gutting it out. So that's the one advantage Highland has. I think they have to control the ball, control the clock, like you said, not worry about the time necessarily, keep that rigby offense off the field. And then yeah. defensively, I think you got to keep Adolfo in the pocket, which means that Highland defensive line, we know how good they are at 
rushing the passer, but more importantly, they have to keep their lane integrity to make sure he doesn't get outside the tackles. Yeah. And I think that is kind of one of the differences too, like you're saying is controlling the clock for Highland, making sure that Rigby's offense isn't on the field so much. And, and that's one of the things I think is the difference in where Highland is now versus where they were when they played Rigby um, before their running game is much better because of that one, two punch they've got right now. Actually it's a one, two, three punch with Jack Whitmer, Eli Parrish and Jackson Riddle. Um, it, it makes things so much tougher for an opposing defense when you don't know who's getting the ball. I mean, you can line up on first and 10 and Highland's constantly switching out Riddle and Parrish. And so you've always got to pay attention to who's in the backfield. And then, you know, knowing that Jack Whitmer can take off at any point and kind of get 12 yards. Um, that's, I think, where Highland has improved the most to me on offense in the last five, six weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That championship game will be Friday night. It is Highland against Rigby uh, for the 5A title, a rematch of a regular season game that took place earlier this year, and that game will kick off at 8.15 on Friday night. Jordan, I feel pretty confident saying this. You and I have both been in Holt Arena a lot this year for college games and high school games. I think for the first time this year, Holt Arena might be sold out Friday night. Yeah, I, I, I've been talking to a bunch of people and I'm like, well, this will probably be the most people I've ever seen in there. I don't, I sold out seems like a, a stretch, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe one side sold out. I don't know. I, this is the other thing. I've never seen it sold out. It's like, I don't, I don't know what that even looks like or, you know, how many people are, can come to these games. But, you know, if there's like, if it's even close to sold out, I would be really impressed. I, th I don't. Yeah, I agree. It's probably a little hyperbole to say it's going to be sold out. Uh, I think it seats 10,000 people. Um, I think it's like 12. Yeah, it might be 12. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it sold out in terms of Idaho State University. The, the closest they've come to selling out was two years ago when the Idaho Vandals came to play. Yeah. For the, and it was the first time they played in, you know, 20 years. Or yeah. That's the game on Saturday. Who, which, which has more fans, Idaho, Idaho State or Highland Rigby? Oh, it's not even close. Highland Rigby will have double the fans. Like, <laughs> it won't even be close. Um, I'm pretty confident in that one. It's going to be so anticlimactic. You're covering these great championships, and then yeah. Saturday, you watch the Vandals and Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to – oh, yeah, on Friday night, it'll be, what, 8.15? We'll get home at, you know, 11, finish writing at 2, and then got to wake up and go to, you know, Idaho State, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> But there are no people who would probably get up at like eight in the morning the next day so they can go tailgate. So for sure, those people I commend. Yes, no doubt. It's going <laughs> to be a, a busy weekend of football in Holt Arena. Uh, the other championship game in District Five uh, features the West Side Pirates at the two A level. They will play on Thursday night in Holt Arena, <laughs> kicking off at nine o'clock against Firth. Uh, now this is an interesting game because it's a rematch of last year's championship. Mm -hmm. It's also a rematch of the season opener, which Westside won 26 to 20 yeah. in overtime. Really the, the only time this year Westside has really been challenged. A hundred percent. And I think um, kind of the crazy thing though, from that is I feel like is the, the last five weeks Westside has only gotten better and it seems like Firth has only gotten worse um, and so I remember after that first game, there were West side coaches being like that first team is legit. I mean, they are big, they are physical, they can push you back a little bit. And that was something that really changed from that state title game a year ago, which West side, I mean, it was one of, 
state title games are not supposed to be won by 40 points like that. And Westside just made it look like it was, you know, they were playing a 1A D2 team. And then you come into this season and people were like, wow, this is a different first team. I mean, they've got a shot at upending West's side if everything goes well. And then Firth, these last couple of weeks, have like shown nothing that would really make you super confident in them. They lost to North Fremont the last week of the season. They've needed basically a Hail Mary to beat Declo in the, what was that, the quarterfinals. They did come back and beat North Fremont last week to get in. But, I mean, I just don't don't see a team that can beat Westside, that can upend, you know, a two-time defending state champions that can, you know, halt a, what, 32-game winning streak. that. I just haven't seen it yet from from Firth and got to watch them a little bit when they were in Holt Arena. Um, I would be very, very surprised if this was like less than a two score game. Yeah, even even their playoff opener against Aberdeen, it was a tight yeah. game, like midway through the third quarter. Yeah. And then finally they, they got an avalanche of points to score there. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I just I don't see it. I don't see how Westside gets tripped up. You know, they come into this game with a 31 game winning streak. It's the best in the state of Idaho. Um, and second place isn't particularly close. Yeah. You know, I was like, what's second? Like six? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I just Westside is so talented. Their defense is playing so well right now. They're taking the ball away. You know, they're getting two to three takeover uh, takeaways, you know, every single game. It's yeah. just insane to think about. And and you can pretty much guarantee anytime they get a takeaway, they're going up top to Bryther Shirtliff and yeah. nobody has been able to stop him yet. And it's not like it's just, Hey, we're going to throw it 60 yards to Shirtliff. It's like, Hey, run a 15 yard dig route. Yeah. And then seriously, nobody's able to, and then he does the rest. He is such a physical specimen. I haven't seen anybody in two A that's able to match up with him yet. No, not even close. And then they can kind of counteract that with like this three-headed monster at running back with Cage Brokens, Parker Henderson, and um, Moser back there. And and so they've got just so many weapons to beat you. And the other thing too is like Westside, aside from that first game, hasn't had any scares, which means you know they're coming into the state championship game probably with a ton of plays, you know not even not necessarily trick plays, but stuff they probably didn't want to put on film and they didn't have to. And so now you're coming in with a full arsenal into this state title game. And that would scare the heck out of me if I'm, you know, a first fan. Yeah. I was at the West side game Friday night. They beat yeah. Bear Lake 47 to <laughs> eight, you know, Bear Lake had a nice season. We talked about it. Yeah. And, and again, for Bear Lake fans, you can't focus on the final game. You have to look at the the season as a whole and the journey and say, sit back and go, you know what? We had a great season. A hundred percent. Bear Lake is, is a great team, but like West side is like a historically great team. Yeah. Like yeah, there's no shame yeah. in that. Yeah. 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 So, so I agree. I, I like West side uh, pretty large in that two, a championship game. So those are the two, those are the two championship matchups teams from district five, uh, Highland and West side, both have great chances to bring home trophies. I think it's super exciting that there's going to be four games in Holtz arena because yeah. teams from the East quote unquote playing each other, right? All these championship matchups, uh, are like teams from the East duking it out, which and is there, were, there would have been, five if not for a two-point conversion in overtime i mean like that's how close it was right <laughs> that's right yeah. so uh i guess for fans in east idaho 
they feel like they don't ever get the respect, right? All the fans in Boise say, yeah, yeah. East Idaho, whatever. You, yeah. you guys aren't that good. Call, what do they call it? The, the state of Ada? Yeah, right. <laughs> the state of Ada, you're correct. Um, but East Idaho really showed this year that, you know yeah. what? We do have the best football teams over here, so. Yeah, no, I think that's been a, a, a big, big point for a lot of these teams is like, you know, when you go play these teams in Boise, like, Winning does not just, you know, solidify your program. It kind of solidifies the entire state of football and the, the region of East Idaho. And, you know, I think that's kind of the cool part of the last couple of weeks is when teams are losing, they're like rooting for other East Idaho teams. And so that's kind of been fun to see. Yeah, there, there is. There's a camaraderie amongst the teams from the East for sure. The yeah. only team from the Treasure Valley that's even playing this weekend is Weezer. Yeah, so, yeah. Mean, <laughs> it's yeah. crazy to think about and that's uh you know i think a lot of people are probably rooting for them just you know tom harrison coaching uh former pocatello and snake river with all his east idaho ties too yeah and so so yeah that's right even the one team that <laughs> that made it from the treasure valley is led by an east idaho guy yep. come on yeah <laughs> no doubt well the the east is a uh, very strong uh jordan i'll see you at holt arena thursday yes. night friday night what what else are you working on at the journal this week that's pretty much it. I mean, we're going, I'm going out to Highland uh, practice today, Wednesday, to, you know, go talk with uh, Gino and a couple other guys. We'll have a big preview for that game and uh, Friday's paper. And then, yeah, we'll be out at, uh, gosh, the Holt Arena three days in a row. West Side game on Friday, or no, Thursday. Highland game on Friday. Idaho State game on Saturday. So it'll be a busy, uh, busy next three days. And so it'll be fun, though might have to get a permanent parking spot at Holt Arena after this weekend. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, they should give you your own suite or something so you can just right. crash there. I just want night. the key to the little uh, the drink fountain thing. Like, I just need a <laughs> soda or something after these games. Actually, I'll probably need an energy drink or a coffee by the time uh, some of these kick off. Maybe a nap. I don't know. Yeah, no Yeah. No doubt. 9 <laughs> o'clock Thursday night. That's going to be a fun one for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks for tuning into the, the final edition of the Southeast Idaho PrepCast. Again, friendly reminder, we're going to take next week off because of the Thanksgiving holiday. And then when we come back, it's going to be the East Idaho PrepCast where we're talking about districts five and six together all under one umbrella uh for jordan k i'm brandon bainey enjoy the games this weekend everybody and we'll see you next time on idahosports.com